So welcome back to the Armchair Trader podcast. And uh, it's been a little while since we've been talking about digital assets. I know we've discussed Bitcoin mining on the podcast in the past, um, but uh, we thought we'd revisit that subject because there's been a lot of water under the bridge recently with Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining. So we've got Didar Bekbaov, who's joining us from Hive. He's the founder and CEO of this Bitcoin mining group. And I thought it would be useful to get um, an update on what's happening with all things Bitcoin and particularly Bitcoin mining. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Didar. Thank you, Stuart. Um, so I wanted to start off with actually what Hive is. Could you, could you give us a, a quick rundown on the company itself, what you guys do? Uh, basically, we build data centers for Bitcoin mining, then we, uh, we maintain it. So we have some data centers in Kazakhstan, in United States. Uh, so uh, we've been doing it uh, since 2018. Cool. And presumably you started in Kazakhstan and then moved over to the US as well? Right. So we started in 2018 in Kazakhstan back then we had just mining in our kind of garage <laughs> then uh, uh, we understood that this is a good opportunity because in Kazakhstan we had uh, cheap electricity so we started to scale and in 2022 governments restricted electricity for miners because it was huge industry and uh, energy system couldn't catch up with this demand so we had to move so we moved to Houston, Texas. Which, I mean, it surprises me with Kazakhstan because that's quite an energy-rich country, isn't it? Um, for it to suddenly be facing a energy consumption challenge from something like Bitcoin mining. Right. Problem with Kazakhstan is uh, the whole electrical infrastructure is old. So it was built back in 1960s, 70s, during Soviet period time. And uh, since we got independence, uh, we haven't built much. Our main problem with it, because uh, government uh, regulates uh, this electri electricity sector too much. So they uh, um, put some restrictions for price increases. Uh, they control the prices, everything. They control everything. So that's the problem. Uh, nobody wants to invest in power plants. Nobody wants to invest in substation. Uh, because it's too much regulated and almost you can't get your money back in like 10 or 20 years uh, if you invest in such projects. So that's a problem, main problem with Kazakhstan now. And uh, is it true that um, when China uh, banned Bitcoin mining, a lot of Chinese companies moved to uh, Kazakhstan? Was that one of the countries they chose to relocate to? And did that exacerbate the problem because there were suddenly more Bitcoin mining operations there? Yes. So when China banned uh, mining in 2021, a lot of Chinese miners moved to Kazakhstan. So almost every uh, substation which had some uh, power in it, so it was utilized. So the energy system, I think, was utilized for 100% and maybe slightly more because we buy Kazakhstan also buy some electricity from Russia as well and uh, that, that caused the problem so suddenly uh, Kazakhstan electricity consumption increased by seven percent and the uh, energy system wasn't ready for that and government wasn't ready for that 
so they started uh, you know make quick decisions uh, about restricting electricity for miners and uh, making some unfavorable regulations and so um you made the decision to start relocating operations to Texas what was the attraction of that why why go to Texas uh so uh, when we realized that there is no uh opportunities in Kazakhstan anymore to expand our business we uh we started to think where should we go next so we had options in Paraguay we had options in other countries but there were quite similar to Kazakhstan in terms of country risks so if we go there and some the government just don't want miners there uh, maybe with within um, two or three years we can face same problems that we faced in Kazakhstan so we decided uh, for long term united states is the best and among all the states texas uh, looked like a good um, point to start because in texas uh, there is deregulated market the government don't have much control over the grid and so it's all market based uh, economy so we decided so for long term uh, expansion texas is a good place and how much um, how much bitcoin are you mining at the moment from your total operation uh, most of our machines belong to our investors so we provide a maintenance service for them so but we have uh, more than 20000 machines under our management uh, and uh, I didn't calculate how much they are made because uh, all the bitcoins directly mined to the wallets of our investors. So we'll, our part is uh, to maintain the machines, maintain the facility, do the repairs. Uh, but we also have yeah some uh, our own machines which we mine for ourselves, and uh, it's uh, slightly more than one bitcoin per day. And uh, investors themselves, how do they, how do they get involved if they want to buy Bitcoin mining machines from you and start getting Bitcoin direct into their into their wallets? Um, what do they need to do? Uh, basically, we simplified everything for investors because uh, we have this uh, in five years. We have all the needed connections with manufacturers with the logistic companies uh, we know how to do custom clearance and everything we know how to build how to maintain facilities so basically investors either buy machines and send uh, machines to ours or they uh, outsource all the uh, services to us so we get the money and we buy machines we transport them we help with the registering the company within any like jurisdictions where we work uh, so basically, investors they uh, don't do much of, of the work, so they just make decisions when to buy, where to place these machines, and uh, for how long. And the rest of the work is done by our team. And um, in terms of where the machines are sited at the moment, new machines are you sighting them in Texas, or is there still an option to have machines in Kazakhstan as well? Uh, in Kazakhstan, there is still option, but the problem with Kazakhstan uh, uptime. So we don't have like 100% electricity supply. We only use off-peak hours. So it's during the night. So we have like 12 hours and uh, during the weekends. 
So, uh, and the average uptime is like slightly 65%. So it's maybe good with the uh, old machines, but with the new generation machines, uh, of course, we will suggest to go to places where you have at least 95% uptime. Uh, so, and it, there are several options in the United States right now, because some of the miners, they just uh, went out of the competition. I mean, they had some older machines, uh, so they had to shut down some operations, but infrastructure is still there. So now we can choose not only in Texas, we have some facility in West Virginia, we have in Iowa, so now Kentucky and Georgia. So we have several options in the United States right now. Uh, so we can place in any state where we find a better deal. And, and has there been a lot of rationalization in, in the U.S. Bitcoin mining sector? I mean, you've touched on some people going out of business already. Has there been a bit of a shakeout in the sector? And does that create an opportunity for you guys to acquire new machines and facilities? Yes. Uh, so in the United States, uh, everybody's preparing for halving now. I mean, not only in the United States, but in the United States, particularly everybody's concerned about it because here you don't have uh, maybe cheapest electricity in the world. So if your operations are uh, less competitive, for example, than in Russia or in Paraguay, then you have to think now what to do because after the halving there will be hundreds of thousands of machines on the market and the price will be i think very low because uh, and now whoever want plans to close their operation or sell their machines should start acting now because uh, now there is still uh, a form like a good price for the machines you can sell and uh, facilities so also if you have some uh, facility which you're not planning to use after the halving, maybe now is a good time to do something with it uh, while there is um, not so much supply on the market. After the halving, I think we will see more. And for people who are not familiar with the halving, which is, is forecast to be taking place next year, can you explain what that is and what the implications are for the Bitcoin mining sector? Uh, yes, absolutely. So uh, every four years, approximately four years, uh, Bitcoin, halving, uh, Bitcoin mining reward cuts into two. So basically now we get we got uh, 6.75 Bitcoin per block when we add this block to the blockchain of Bitcoin. Uh, after halving, which will take place in April 2024, we will get like three, like half of it, like three point uh, something. So uh, the, basically our revenue, um, miners revenue uh, will uh, drop uh, 50%. And uh, we will still have our expenses like paying for electricity, paying uh, salaries, other expenses, but our revenue will drop. So basically what happened before, uh, during during these cycles, like in 2016, 2020, after the halvening event, like in uh, after maybe nine or twelve months, uh, there was always a rise of uh, of the Bitcoin price. So basically, Bitcoin went up in 2020 from like eight thousand to sixty thousand in 2021, 
uh, in uh, 2016 from like less than 1,000 to 20,000 in 2017. And uh, this time we also like we believe that after uh, halving, uh, we will see some Bitcoin price uh, increase. So otherwise, there will be a lot, a lot of uh, bankruptcies in our industry because uh, basically 50% uh, revenue reduction is very, very hard for miners. So you think, I mean, I know it's difficult to forecast the Bitcoin price at the moment, but um, it almost sounds to me like with the Bitcoin halving next April, there's there could be a, a rise in the price by, baked in because of that, based on yeah. its historic performance. Yeah, based on historic performance, based on some statistics, and uh, we, we, we believe in that because otherwise there is no point to do mining at all because uh, it's easier to buy and hold Bitcoin and uh, mining is additional risks, additional work. So and it's hard work, I mean, to maintain all of these facilities and machines. Uh, so because we believe that there will be Bitcoin uh, price increase, we still uh, in this business. And uh, so we believe in these statistics. But I mean, from what you've been saying, it sounds like, you know, Bitcoin mining businesses may not have a a glorious future because of because of the fact that it's going to become potentially less profitable over the long term. You may see a rally in the Bitcoin price next year, but if the price drops back down to, let's say, twenty thousand dollars per Bitcoin, um, that could make it really difficult for a lot of miners in the U.S. and elsewhere. In this industry. Uh there is a competition for the block right uh, for winning the block and adding to blockchain and whoever have a less cost of electricity basically because electricity the in percentage i mean 80 or 90 percent of all expenses of miners is electricity cost whoever have uh, cheaper electricity will be uh, like in a better position uh, and also capital, like spare capital companies like uh, Riot and Marathon, for example, in the United States. So they holding some capital in the like uh, for the case, like uh, after the halving. So they will be waiting for some miners to struggle during this period. And they are waiting for some, uh, you know, these distressed assets to buy to like machines. So some of the miners will uh, like be strong after the halving because they're kind of prepared with the capital reserves uh, to utilize this capital during the hard times. And some of the miners uh, probably will go bankrupt. So basically uh, for Bitcoin will not change much because uh, some players will go out, some players will come in and grow stronger. Um, so for, for Bitcoin, it's all good. Uh, but yeah, for the miners, uh, it, it's a struggle. And you've mentioned on this podcast already, we've talked a lot about the cost of electricity because that's really a big part of your costs for running a Bitcoin mining operation. Um, we've in, in the past, when we've talked to people about Bitcoin mining, the whole issue of electricity comes up again and again and again. And also, um, you know, whether that, that electricity is clean electricity and, and how much the Bitcoin mining industry is potentially contributing to global warming. Um, what What's your, I mean, what's your own strategy here? I mean, in terms of actually making sure you get 
cheap enough electricity to run a business like Hive? And also, do you do you get asked by investors about where the electricity is coming from and, and, and how much green power you use? Um, so here is a trade-off. So uh, cheapest electricity usually in countries where you have like uh, fossil fuels and coal source for, of electricity. So that's, uh, that, that's the cheapest electricity in the world. So you have yeah, China had it, Russia had it, in United States also. Uh, the grid is like I think uh, seventy or eighty percent is fossil fuel based or uh, coal based electricity. Uh, so the problem with the green electricity that uh, it uh, it's not reliable. So it's not like twenty four hours you have this electricity available for the solar panels. You have the electricity when there is a sun for the wind uh, power uh, station. You have only when there is a wind. Uh, so the challenge was how to make it more reliable and stable. So that's why even in the grid, even other uh, consumers, they don't have like 100% renewable electricity in their homes, in their businesses. Uh, but now we see some solutions. So now there are battery storage um, projects where you can store this electricity and then later use it when, when it's not available on the, in the grid. Uh, so in our case, so we didn't pay much attention on that because in Kazakhstan, I think less than 3% we have renewables in the grid. Now it's slightly growing. So even if we wanted, we couldn't do it because it's already utilized by someone. So we had just had to use some electricity from the grid. Then we, uh, like since I think last year, yeah, we found out that we can uh, use flared and stranded gas which are on the oil fields to build some power station gas turbines there and then use this electricity for mining in this way we are not only uh, uh, contributing for using some kind of um, clean energy but we are reducing uh, flaring of this gas which makes a lot of carbon emissions so uh, this kind of projects started to you know get my attention and we uh, are in process of developing um, several of these facilities. Also, we do some project with UK-based company in Kyrgyzstan, where they built uh, the hydro small hydropower plants in the mountain rivers. And we place uh, for excess electricity, we place mining uh, operations there. So uh, they have a base load, uh, which is uh, supplied to the grid. Uh, and they have some base load for us, so for miners. That way, it helps them to uh, work uh, stably within the seasons, because uh, there is also seasonality in these hydropower plants. And uh, we also consider some projects with uh, battery storage and mining. So we changed our focus because now uh, there is a technology of battery storage. We have some uh, understanding how to do stranded and flared gas projects. And we now, because uh, before we were just like, wherever electricity is cheap, we just go there, build and buy electricity from the grid. So if in the grid, like only 30% renewable, then we use only 30% renewable of energy. Uh, electricity but now we're starting to change our focus to more the uh, and, and it's not like dictated by the uh, 
uh, willing of our investors. So basically, they are not too much concerned about it. It's just our own um, change of uh, perspective, uh, which electricity to use. If we can use greener electricity, why shouldn't we do that? I mean, the last question I want to ask you um, on the podcast was, and it's not really a core area of your expertise at Hive, but the the Bitcoin price has been dictated a lot recently by uh, developments with the SEC and regulation of uh, ETF products in the US. Obviously, a lot of big fund managers currently trying to get their uh, Bitcoin ETFs over the line. And these are products based not on futures, but on actual Bitcoin holdings. The SEC has been pushing back on that. Um, but it seems to me like a lot of investors are are using this regulatory battle, this tug of war as um, you know, a, a measure of sentiment in the market and a buying or selling according to what they're hearing coming out from Washington, D.C. Um, what is your perspective on that as a miner? I mean, and, and also as someone who's operating businesses in the U.S., so do you think that we that we'll see approval and, and what the prospects for Bitcoin will be after that? Uh, yes, I think it's just a matter of time. So I've been watching uh, this whole uh, history about ETFs uh, for several years. So they're trying to do ETF spot in the United States. And the uh, position of uh, SEC is clear. So they're saying we want to protect uh, investors from uh, Bitcoin price manipulation. There is a lot of manipulation in Bitcoin price. So it goes up one day 20%, next day like 50% down. So when basically SEC, what I understand, they uh, see this manipulation from unregulated exchanges which are, are managed by some Chinese uh, companies, so like Binance. So they say we need to regulate all these exchanges, but the Chinese uh, exchanges, they don't want to be regulated in the United States too much. So local um, exchanges like Coinbase um, and others, they are okay with the regulation. They want to comply. They want to report everything to SEC and uh, work in this structure. But Chinese exchanges, they don't want to do that. And that's the main problem. I think uh, as soon as uh, the problem with the regulations for exchanges and uh, accordingly to, with manipulations will be solved, then we will see approval. Until until that time, we, we will have these concerns from SEC uh, about uh, protecting investors and everything that Bitcoin is not like very compliant with the, how the financial markets work right now. So they see a lot of risks for their investors. And I understand that. I think this, this is a good position. So uh, because I saw for the five years, for the last five years, many people... They, they they lost a lot of money uh, in Bitcoin, in other cryptos, in NFTs, in all these manipulated uh, assets. So and I saw people losing everything. So I don't want to like other people to suffer from these manipulations as well. So I believe that there should be some regulations, good regulations, not only. Mm, not, not not only miners, yeah, because miners is easy to regulate, but exchanges as well, crypto exchanges. Uh, but uh, maybe it's not going to happen this year, uh, maybe even next year. But I believe like sooner or later uh, we will see ETFs, we will see good regulations, so and we will see some 
uh, less uh, volatility in Bitcoin price. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much indeed for your time this afternoon, Didar. That's been very that's been very informative indeed. And and just to finish, if someone is interested in in buying or renting Bitcoin mining machines um, and want to talk to you about that, where can they go? Uh, so uh, we have a website where they can uh, go study everything uh, like uh, connect uh, to, to us via so support or they can find me directly in LinkedIn it's uh, or Twitter it's Dider uh, Bigbal so I think it's easy to find me and text me directly I will try to reply fantastic thanks very much indeed for coming on the podcast this afternoon Dida thank you Stuart for inviting me You've been listening to the Armchair Trader podcast. Make sure you visit our website, www.thearmchairtrader.com, for your daily dose of financial markets news and sign up to our free newsletter there.